Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. There is that music, and indeed it is us. It is Radio Marinara. You're on 3 Triple I'm Anthony Boxall. And I'm Dr Beach. How are you, Dr Beach? I'm very well. You look suitably relaxed after summer. After summer? I, I, it hardly feels like it's been an absence of, what, five, six weeks? True. We're back here, a wonderful summer. And for you, I, I had a great summer. I oh, know I had a wonderful summer. Wonderful summer. We're going to... Highlight for my summer was seeing... A weedy sea dragon. Ooh, highlight for mine was a pot of dolphins, about 20 of them. Just amazing. Nice. We can talk about it. We'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. We hope you had a wonderful summer. Of course, we know Tim Thorpe. Oh, I should refer to him by his full title, Timothy Thorpe OAM. Mm-hmm. As we know, um, an honoured um, doyen of the Australian community. And he has yet again surpassed himself. And he won't. Get the flick. He'll be here next week. Oh, he, he, in fact, I think there'll be a bronze statue. A bit like, you know, the MCG with all those sports yep. people around the outside. There'll be a bronze statue of Tim out the front here on Nicholson Street within, I'd say, within the decade. Corner of Nicholson and Blythe. I think so. He's bronze. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tim. And, and thank you to, um, to Andrew for Soulful Bits. Yes. Introduced me to Charlie McRae. Not uh, heard of him before. Yeah. Uh, At around 8.10, if anyone uh, was listening. I'd some, um, yeah, no, it just had that, that those, three, those whole three hours are just beautiful. Anyway, we do love Tim, as you all know, and I think there is a movement to get Tim on a stamp. So do back that um, movement. At least a bronze statue. At least. But we'll stamp and a bronze statue. Big show today. Massive show. We've got lots on. We're actually going to, we're going to, um, well, first of all, you've been reading some very interesting science recently. Oh, I have. This. I mean, there's lots and lots of. Wonderful science has come out over the summer, but the, the paper that's a highlight for me is on parasites. You might think, yay. Look. Um, I, I won't give away too much. No, right just now, that'll but do. It, it, yeah, yeah, parasites. Yeah, yeah, just stick with us for fish parasites. <laughs> In eight species of fish. Uh, data that? set over 120 years. How's that for foreshadowing? Um, <laughs> yeah. In the Puget Sound, which so, is um, northwest of the United States. The paper go. that's just appeared in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. I'll be doing that in about seven minutes' time. I, I love that. I love that's great. That's excellent. You know, you, oh, I think everyone's going to stick around now. Yeah, <laughs> <Parasites>. <laughs> worms, na- na- um, nasty worms. After that, and we're gonna we're gonna get you to. So we we had a think actually because we we think thought about some of the news that was the marine news that was occurring while we were away for those six weeks or so. And there's a few there's a few very interesting ones. We're not going to talk about them now, but in about nine thirty ish, we're going to talk about the things that really stood out for us, and we'd like to hear about the things that stood out for you. You, and we're going to use the text line because we never use the text line and we may as well. It exists and uh, I, I, I for yeah. one forget about its presence. So, you know the text line, everyone. It is 0466 So 0466981027. So text in the bit of news, Marini news that you saw that you thought was great or that you thought people might have missed. And we'll remind you a couple of times at about 9.30, we're going to have a look at what you guys thought was the best and we'll talk about what we thought was the best or the wackiest. 
or the most interesting, or the, the the hardest to find, whatever it is. And then after that, we've got our UK correspondent live in the studio. Oh, fantastic. Completely jet-lagged, but live in the studio. <laughs> we're going to talk about Brexit. We're going to talk about disco scallops. Disco scallops. Can't wait for this one. Um, so anyway, massive show. And, of course, a massive year. And... Um, Bron will be back in next week. She starts back next week um, at the helm once again of the good ship Marinara and has um, just put together a brilliant year. All the faves will be back this year. Um, you know, we've, we've got Jeff and all the beautiful marine sound waves. We've got the cabin boy, Brett, will be in. We've got Rex Hunter. We've got Cade. We've got Cade coming back. We've got, we've got Fum. And we've got plastics, we've got all and a couple of new things. We've got Ben and Coastal Paleontology. And for the first time in a number of years, Bron has pulled off the wonderful, wonderful, almost impossible, and we've got regular dive reporters. Not today, but starting next week. That's true. It's brilliant. I did it's brilliant. Like that. It's brilliant. So anyway, um, Bron's been working tirelessly over the break. She never stops and has, has kind of put together this incredible kind of 23. So hopefully you'll join us on the journey on the cruise. The good ship Marinara. Yeah. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Indeed, you are on 3RRR. And remember, of course, next, uh, after we play the next track, we're going to get, tell us what your best story was for the summer, your best marine story, the thing that kind of made your summer that you thought might be good to share with people. Send us a text, 0466 98 1027. We've got a few that we want to share, but we'd like to hear yours as well. But uh, before we do that... Parasites Parasite. in fish. Parasites in fish. Parasites. Yeah, and parasites. Parasites. You think of parasites. Climate change, uh-huh. increasing temperature. We think. What do we often think? Parasites are going to, like one of the nasty effects of climate change is going to be that we're going to get more parasites. A lot of yeah, people right. may think that. Okay. We hear about like, mozzies up the north yeah, coming yeah, yeah, further yeah, down. Yeah, things yeah. that might infect us. All sorts of diseases. We think it's just all going to get worse. And we generally think of parasites as being oh, things which are just burdensome for us, yes. for our pets, for yeah. our kids, things in the environment. Well, that's kind of the nature of them. You know, parasite, that, that's what they do. They're kind it, of they've not... just got to get by in life like everybody else. Yeah, well, true, but, yeah, they're burdensome. <laughs> they are burdensome. <laughs> they are burdensome. But they, they do have pretty essential roles. Mm-hmm. In the I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> You're not convinced yet? Well, they can they kill things. And if, if we didn't have parasites, well, if we didn't have fungi, for example, uh-huh. breaking down wood, true, true, we would just be buried in all that. <laughs> parasites. bloody wood everywhere. We would. We would. <laughs> we, will, we would. Uh, parasites do all sorts of jobs. Yeah. They kill things. Yeah. Those things, if they weren't killing them, they might just grow to plague proportions and all of that. Parasites are important. Okay. We don't have many data on parasites, though. Right. Because people generally think, how are we going to sort of measure them and all of that? And a really interesting paper, which just appeared in the PNAS, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, looks at parasites in fish. What they have done yeah. is that they've taken museum specimens of fish, which are in liquid, yeah. in a bottle. So one of the great in things. In a cupboard of, somewhere. In a cupboard yeah, somewhere yeah, out the yeah. back. 
And they've done this for fish which have been collected from Puget Sound, which is in the northwest of the US. So Seattle is on Puget yeah. Sound. It's one of the biggest estuaries in the US. I think it's Chesapeake. It's the other big one yeah. um, on the right-hand side. Puget Sound's on the top left. And, and when we say, you know, big estuary, we mean something size of Port Phillip or Sydney Harbour. They're that Huge. big. They're yeah, massive, they're, massive, they're massive, massive, massive. They're massive. They're yep, massive. Yep. Lots of fish have been collected from Puget Sound. Okay. Over the last 100, even 120 years, yeah. they're sitting in bottles. Yeah. Um, these people who are working at the University of Washington, Chelsea Wood is the lead author on this paper. She was She's very much interested in parasites and she was thinking, how are we going to look at parasites over time? How can we get this long-term data set? So what she decided to do with colleagues was to go through these museum oh, specimens wow. where they have fish preserved in liquid and look at those fish to try and see what parasites were there. What they would rather have done was to just, <laughs> instead of opening up these smelly things and sort of chopping up the fish and having a look at a hundred-year-old dead fish under a microscope, was, as many people want to do these days, just chuck things in a blender and analyse the DNA. Oh, you can't do that no. with these fish, which are preserved in formaldehyde and other stuff like no, that, because, because that just shreds the, the DNA. DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the DNA. So what they had to do was old, as they said, old shoe leather parasitology and sort of... <laughs> cut things open and all of that. Anyway, I digress. Lots of very interesting information which is coming from this. Turns out that if you are a parasite Mm -hmm. or if you – first of all, they looked at eight different species of fish, things like herring, things like cod, which are common around there um, and which are – Lots of samples in many different museums across yeah, North right. America, not only the museum at the University of Washington, where there are right. lots of So they went to multiple examples. museums. Multiple and got museums, lots, right, right, got okay. lots of different samples, yeah. and then very carefully opened the bottles, yeah. had a look for the parasites in there. And what they found was that for many of the fish, the parasites didn't decline, but there was a very sharp decline. So the numbers of them? The numbers the of parasites, well, the types of parasites. Right. But where we had parasites which are dependent upon many different hosts, those parasites declined rapidly. So let's take a little bit of a step backwards. So you might have a parasite. Let's say, for example, it's a copepod, like a little crustacean. Right. Which infects a fish, um, and then it goes. When you say infects, it's like it like eats into the yeah, side it, of the muscle of yeah, the fish or whatever. Yeah, eats into the side yeah, of the yeah. muscle or just hangs on yeah, there, yeah. Um, sucking the life blood, sucking out the life blood yeah, out. Yeah. But it might go through its entire life cycle yeah. on that fish. Yeah. So that's, it's got one host. Yes, so, okay. And it's that single fish. But many parasites will have two, three, oh, or even more hosts. Yeah, right. So, for example, there are things called flukes, liver flukes we yeah. may have heard of. They're pretty nasty. They're flatworms, platy helmets yeah. is yeah. another word for them. Many of these liver flukes or trematodes is another word for them. Yeah. They require three or more hosts. So they, for example... Um, you might find them in a snail. Oh, so, so like a, a different bit of the life cycle needs to be in a different animal. That's right. So they could ah. be – they might start off on a fish. Like the egg is in the fish and the adult is in a whatever. Yeah, so you might yeah, have one stage right. which is on a fish fin and maybe yeah. people who go fishing might see little parasites uh, on fish yeah, like yeah. little spots. Yeah, they could yeah, be white yeah. ones or they could be yellow ones. Or yeah. Often they're black spots. They are a stage in the parasite's life cycle. For that parasite to reproduce, what has to happen is that the fish has to be eaten by a bird and then the parasite gets into the bird and then it becomes a mature adult in the bird, And then the bird poos it out or whatever and something eats it. The bird poos it out, poos out the eggs. Those eggs then get released into the environment then you get some flagellate that comes out that then has to go into some other host and that other host might be 
a snail now yep, or yep, it could yep, be some other yep. crustacean or back onto another fish. Which then gets eaten. Yeah. And it, yeah. So trematodes do this. They right. require many different hosts, three or four different hosts. And if we're thinking about that kind of parasite, which requires and many hosts, there are lots of steps for things to go oh, wrong. So totally. if one of those hosts is gone from the environment, then that's yeah, spells yeah, yeah. big trouble. You've got no for like how do you go? It's like your you, you, you your freeway's gone. Like you're going to turn yep. left, but there's no turn left. So you've got three or four critical points, those hosts, <sighs> for that parasite to or what that the parasite requires to, to right. live. Chelsea Wood and her colleagues going through all of these samples yeah. found that it was the the parasites which required only one host that I they can were live fine. the whole life cycle on one host. Yeah. They're okay. They're okay. The yeah. ones that required two hosts, they're okay as well. Yeah. But the ones that required three or four hosts, they're cactus. Really? 10% decline every decade over the last <gasps> 100 years, which for a lot of them means that they are now extinct if you do those numbers quickly. Whoa. So, for example, back in the uh, 1920s when they first started looking at the samples or good numbers of those samples of fish, um, there are at least 10 species of parasites which have gone. What they were able to do was to be able to correlate this with, well, they tried to correlate this decline with many different things, whether it be pollution in the Puget Sound, yeah, right. whether it be increase in sea surface temperature, which has increased by one degree yeah. in the previous, well, since the 1950s in Puget Sound and records don't go back too much further than that, but it's at least gone up one degree in the last seven, last 70 years yeah. or so. Um, and the other variable that they tested for was numbers of hosts, so numbers of fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out it was sea surface temperature that it's correlated with. So the thing wow. that the decline in the parasite number is mostly correlated with or is definitely correlated with is increase in sea surface temperature. And is that, I mean, I'm, we're postulating here, but that, that, that increase, like we're seeing in Australia, we're seeing species shifts and so perhaps some of those, you know, the, the fish that were like the number three host or something in line, they no longer in that sound and they're further down the coast where it's slightly warmer yeah, because the, the, or slightly colder or further up because it's slightly colder, I suppose, northern hemisphere. And so, you know, is it partly because those species have become extinct, the hosts, or they're just shifted because the climate's changed and they're further, they're somewhere else? They could have shifted yeah. or there has been a lot of extinction. So, for example, yeah, if we wow. compare those, that, that number I said, the 10% decline per decade in the organisms which would require three different hosts. If you look at, for example, North American bird species, yeah, it's been yeah, like yeah, a 7% yeah, decline over the last 100 uh, – per decade. Yeah. Over the last hundred years, and so this Insects, is another I think it's signal. An 8% decline, another signal. signal of climate change, and that's that is really rapid. Like that extinction is really rapid. So this is like, I mean, we hear a lot. I think about you know, losing major species, you know, fish and even mammals and things, but you never think about parasites. And this is exactly the point of this paper: is that there should could have been many other mm -hmm. examples of parasites being lost, but we've just been completely unaware of it because we haven't been able to look at we haven't had the desire to look. And again, as these authors remind us, they are very important parts of the ecosystem yeah, services, if you yeah. like, for everything on Earth, including us. How interesting. Kind of depressing. Kind of depressing, <laughs> but, but a really fascinating example of how you have to do a study when you're constrained by various different things. So, for example, you can't look at the DNA, which many people want to do now. So you go back to old-school biology and having access to these various different fish which have been preserved. Yeah. And also, it's, it's yeah, also yeah, a reminder, yeah. you might think, well, why do, we need another why do we need another example of this fish in another museum? It's only because that we have all these different 
examples of these preserved fish all over North America that you can do such yeah. a study. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can go back and look. Yeah. Hey, now a listener's just texted in and given us some advice on the pronunciation of the name of that sound. Of which sound? Puget sound. Oh, Puget sound. Puget sound. There you I go. thought you said some sound like a... No. <laughs> It's not Puget, it's Puget. No, it's Puget sound. Puget. Oh, so they don't put Actually, it on the French. Not. Right, yeah, okay. No, they're American, too French, yeah. French, yeah. Oh, so hey, Puget, Puget. Puget, there you go. Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. We are going to um, play some, some messages in a minute and some music. But um, I just want to remind you, after that, we're going to come back and uh, we're going to talk about things that grabbed our, our attention over summer, news items that were marine and coastally. And if you've and a couple of people have texted something, we'll talk about it. Highlights for them for you over summer. Zero four six six nine eight one oh two seven. That's the text line here on Triple R zero four six six nine eight one oh two seven. That is so interesting, Dr. Beach. Thank you for that. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organization in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. We're back. And, um, in fact, we probably should thank – we had a bunch of people filling in for us over summer. It was wonderful. Don O'Neill, thank you very much for um, bringing us up to speed on the sport. I think Andrew Carew before Christmas. I mean, it was yeah, fantastic. All sorts we of people. Thank you very much. And it's last week as well. Yeah, brilliant. We're back. Yep. Um, and, and we thank you all. Um, an excellent summer, f- summer of of different stuff um, in this slot, and um, it's great that people can can do that. Hey, now uh, speaking of summer, so we're interested on on something that you know anything that you know you caught your eye or your ear over summer um, that is marine and coastal, and um, we've been saying you know text us in zero four double six nine eight one zero two seven and just. Either send us a link or send us a, a word or whatever. Oh, it's the thing about the whatever. It and might have been know. something that you'd done over your holidays, Absolutely. something that you saw, like, for example, I didn't mention before, I saw a I, weedy sea dragon when I, I was snorkeling near Portsea Pier. Wonderful. Oh, wow, near Portsea Pier. That's right near, cool. Right near Portsea Pier. That is very cool. Yeah, um, that, um, and, and, in fact, um, Ben has texted us in and said he saw a growling grass frog. A growling grass now, frog. Now, not the most marine thing, but a cool thing to see. So, anyway, we've got a few things we'll go through. But um, Weedy Sea Dragon, I, I was down at the beach where I was staying um, up in southern New South Wales. It was a windy day. It was crazy. It was like, you know, one of those kind of everyone's indoors day. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and I thought, geez, what's that? I thought, oh, it's a dolphin. Cool. And I was like, there's another one. There's another one. There's another and there's about a pot of 15 of them or maybe 20 because, you know, it's hard to count when there's that many and they're moving. And they were circling back, going backwards and forwards outside the, font, the you know, the, the outer breaker of the surf line. And I was thinking, I think they're following a school of fish and they were kind of um, fin slapping. You know, the way they fin slap to kind of keep the water. So I think they were containing and following a school of fish. I stood there and watched them for about 20 minutes. And um, at one point, one of them came fully out of the water and landed in, you know, just kind of going, oh, and no one was around because it was a crappy beach day. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> and I was so far out, I couldn't get a video. But, you know, you just kind of going, Wow. That was, that was cool. But the thing that grabbed my attention in the news um, to, get, to get this warmed up was I don't know whether you saw the, speaking of dolphins, the bull shark eating the dolphin off the beach in Manly. No, I missed that entirely. That's just a doozy. It was about somewhere kind of like the third week of January, I think it was. And um, 
the I'll read you one quote. So there was there was a woman in the water, and a dolphin went past, and she she kind of on. Um, uh, then she sorry she heard there was an injured dolphin, so she went into the water. Right. It was an injured dolphin, right? And it was at northern beaches. It was kind of out past Manly. And it was just off Manly, one of those beaches off Manly. And um, she went out into the water and then saw a large shadow and <laughs> realised with, with input later from people on the shore that it was a three-metre bull shark. Yikes. So, you know, the worst, the bad one, the mm. really bad one, you know, the way poor old grey whites get the reputation for mm. bull sharks are the real terror. And um, so she turned around thinking, well, that's probably it for me. And it went, it, 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 in her words, it, so I turned around and there's probably a three-metre bull shark and wasn't even looking at me, it was just going for the dolphin. <laughs> so it went up and it bit the dolphin in half. Far out. No one's got footage of it, thank gosh. But anyway, that's a bit because you know dolphins and sharks. Dolphins and sharks. But there you shark. go, injured dolphin. Also in the news with yes. dolphins, dolphins and humans. Did you see? I think no. it was the ABC that highlighted a paper which appeared in the again in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, yes. which I was just talking to before about parasites. But this one is about dolphins and humans um, fishing cooperatively together. <sighs> There are many examples oh, yes. of this from various different places. South Coast of New South Wales, orcas. The Irrawaddy. Yep. South Coast of New South yeah, Wales. Yeah, the Ewan and the, and the orcas. The orcas. It's incredible. Yep. And what's the name of that orca in the um, Eden Museum? The, the one that's in the Eden Museum. Yeah, the one that's yeah, in that the, one. Someone's going to text <laughs> it about that. Text it anyway, this paper in PNAS um, demonstrates yeah. or documents they've found out what the benefit is that the dolphins get back from fishing. Yeah, right, because you can and see been able the human to dem- Yeah, we kind of assume yeah, yeah, that the yeah. dolphins get something out of it because they, they get some fish. You know. But yeah. what happens is that these people, these fishermen, they alert the dolphins that they're out here, the dolphins come out, and the dolphins gather all these mullet into yeah. a big sort of – it's an underwater Ball sort of trough, and then they yeah. – push them up towards the fishermen who gather them with their nets. But then the dolphins, these researchers have been able to dock it, including someone who's working at the Australian National University, whose name I forget now. Yeah. Um, they were able to document that the dolphins do, in fact, get some of the fish from this. Oh, so that's the benefit that yeah, they right. get. And they've also been able to document that they have a 17% reproductive rate increase. So wow. they've been able to show that it's beneficial by to the dolphins. By cooperating with the humans. By cooperating with the humans. How very, very cool. That's really interesting. Um, I've just got a couple from listeners. Um, now, sorry, everyone's not putting their names on it, so I can't tell you exactly who it is. But um, someone obviously went to New Zealand and saw concretions by the coast. Concretions? Concretions. Now, clearly someone with a geological eye there. So that, I think, is limestone that's got really hard. Right. Sandstone, something. Yeah, someone's going to tell us. Oh, here we go. We've got a photo now. Oh, and some awesome black sand beaches. Wow. And Bron has just texted in to say, it's oh. old Tom at the Eden Museum. Uh, thank you, Bron. Thank you, Bron. Thank we you, Bron. Knew, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yes, I know. We, yeah, which, we, of course, we know, but yes, we can't. Uh, um, uh, someone else, again, uh, unknown, um, and their friend had the same experience just off McRae on, our, on their kayak seeing the pot of dolphins. <laughs> That's very cool. So they were not a bull so, shark experience. No, but I'm just hoping it wasn't your, a bull shark experience. Yeah, your experience. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Have to be. Let's let's hope that's what it was. Um, there's a couple more coming in as well. So zero four double six nine eight one zero two seven. Stick your name on it so we can at least credit you. Um, the other one that stood out for me, Doctor Peach, was I, I just got fascinated by very large things that are dangerous being in places that they usually shouldn't be or doing as things do. they shouldn't. Yeah, crocodiles. <sighs> 
off Brisbane. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. On North Stradbroke Island. On North Stradi. I mean, yeah, and and so we're talking earlier about species movements and climate change. Now, they have been documented, but there's some of the Indigenous uh, um, rangers over there were out, you know, doing some some ranger work, whatever, and and one of the oldest was apparently with them and just went, oh, geez, look at that, and it was a crocodile. They they were taking out some tourists, I thought. Yes, I think they were. Well, and then secondarily, there were tourists, yes, doing a a, a canoe paddle thing in the estuary, in and out of the... um, the mangroves on the north side, yeah. up the north end, and there's a croc. And the ranger spotted it but didn't want to say anything because he wanted to freak out the tourists. But then one of the tourists said, Is that a, is that a crocodile? Is it, is it? Uh, it is. And now they do. There is evidence. And then, of course, you heard that there was evidence of them visiting there in the past, but it's not normal. But I suspect. And then, of course, Brisbane media went crazy. It's like, is this the new normal? Are there crocodiles in the Brisbane River? Blah, 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 blah. Although we do know there are lots and lots of bull sharks and they go a very long way up and they are, oh, I wouldn't swim in that river. Anyway. The hey, other, the other yeah. highlight for me was yeah. the elephant seal oh. at Point Lonsdale and Blairgarry. I mean, it was a bit uncomfortable for the poor elephant seal and bashed its head a little bit at the BP <laughs> trying to get in there. see that. To get a Mars oh. bar or something. I don't know. And then it... Apparently the same one appeared at Blairgarry on the beach. And again, again, a little bit disturbing. Trying to get back in the water may have injured itself a tiny bit, but it did get back in the water. This is the one. This is Henry, yeah, that's been coming up to... Whether it's Henry or not, some people are saying, that's not Henry. Did you say... Other people are saying it is. Elephant seal, yeah? Elephant seal, yes. It is an elephant seal. Yeah, that's interesting. So made an appearance at Point Lonsdale, tried to get into the BP. And couple then of back on the other side. A couple of, of listeners debate. had saw brilliant sunsets walking. Apparently, I don't know. I wasn't in Melbourne for part of January, but apparently, mm-hmm. there were brilliant sunsets. And I suspect maybe it was like cloud. I don't know. That was like shimmering. I saw an awesome sunset. Sent me a photo, but anyway. <laughs> um, I guess near Blackberry Backpeach a few weeks ago. That was pretty. It's the same day that we saw the. Um, what did I say? Where do you see dragon? <sighs> a bunch of people caught a bunch of good fish. Fishing over over their summer, I saw um, a photo that a friend of mine posted, and I'll probably get into trouble for this. A friend of mine posted a photo of uh, I think it was Rye Front Beach, and um, and he posted it because he was kind of making a comment like, "Wow, look at this," and um, it, it was harder to see the people for the jet skis. Good. And they're all kind of, you know, all, all either beached or just in the very narrow, you know, just in the foreshore there. And I was kind of going, wow, that's that's like a jet ski convention, like literally. And this this name was kind of going, man, have a look at this. And um, you kind of go, woof, that's a lot of jet skis. A lot of jet skis. Um, sitting in the beach there. And so uh, that's uh, very interesting. But I, I did hear also some of those bay beaches, some of those really hot days down Dramana Way, that people were coming out. There were so many people using those beaches down Dramana. Rosebud coming out in the morning at seven o'clock, putting her towels down and their umbrellas up, going back, <laughs> having brekkie, doing the shopping, whatever, then coming down about nine o'clock to claim their spot again. We're getting some seriously busy beaches on the, on the sure peninsula. Are. Hey, um, anyone? Oh, here we go. We've got a couple more coming in, um, but we'll probably, probably have to wind up in one or two. But have you got a last, a last quick one for, for um, your f- favourite news item? Well, I, I just always like to see plankton in the news. Um, and there's a colourful phytoplankton bloom off South Australia, off the Coorong, and there's a photo from, um, from space showing these, um, these coccolithophorids, I think they are, probably Emiliania huxleyi, for those who are wondering, um, and this wonderful chalky, kind of smear that you can see that was um yeah the abc got a nice picture of that from 26th january i think it was 
about a week ago. Brilliant, brilliant. Hey, we better wrap that up because we could go on forever. There's more coming in. Um, but thank you to the listeners who did put things in. You guys obviously had a great summer and saw some wonderful marine coastal news. We're going to play a couple of quick messages and then back with some music. And then we're going to move all the way to the UK, but in the studio. Our UK correspondent, Dr. Bryce Stewart, is in the house and is going to tell us all the latest about Brexit and fisheries and disco scallops. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Indeed, you are on Radio Marinara on 3RRR and it's um, wonderful, wonderful to welcome uh, back into the studio our UK correspondent, Dr Bryce Stewart. Welcome. Thank you very much, Anne. Good to be here in the morning rather than the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Often we're looking at you on a screen and it's the middle of the night over there and you you do look more awake, i got to say. That's good. Although I don't have a glass of scotch (laughs) at the moment, whereas normally I do. Bryce, how do you feel about being Marinara's UK correspondent? I love it. It's it's the highlight of my career, if not my life, to be honest. (laughs) That's certainly of your year. Yeah. It's it's kind of like Nick Cave coming back every summer, isn't it? See the family. I'm honoured to be in the same sentence as Nick Cave. <laughs> um, the, um, so what, what a couple of, there's a lot been happening, a lot been happening in UK. Sure. And the last time we spoke, you just lost your, um, uh, you know, your, your monarch, uh, our monarch actually, which is a bit mm. of a bit of a bummer. But anyway, we'll change that. Um, the um, and and. We're going to catch up on a lot of things, but one of the things we've been following for a number of years now has been Brexit and its impact on fisheries. And I, if I can remember, um, you know, a long time back you, you came on and told us that, you know, fisheries were about 3% of the total GDP of yeah, the UK. Yeah, not even that maybe. Not even, less, right? So less than 3%. One, 1%. One percent, so and there was, there, were, there was great promises that Brexit was going to free up the fisheries for the UK, that it was going to increase the, you know, the, 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 the returns for the fisheries that it was going to really absolutely make the UK, you know, kind of the fisheries kind of leader in Europe and that this was great for everybody. And we'd just love to know, did that happen? Uh, Not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I mean, they they were supposed to be claiming back British fish, but, of course, there isn't really any such thing as a British fish because fish don't care where they are. Like, they'll swim between, in the North Sea, between the, you know, the the territories of seven different countries. So that fish... Most fish are European in that part of the world rather than... <laughs> so they're more likely to have a Scandinavian accent or... Well, a, you know, know, maybe a bit of a sort of blend, a fusion <laughs> of accents, if you like. <laughs> and so I, I do remember, and I, I don't know whether you've managed to do this professionally, but I do remember you telling us that there were some, you know, in all seriousness, some very serious potential downsides to um, to Brexit for fisheries and you were worried both from a fisheries productivity perspective but also a sustainability perspective. Yeah. Um, and um, and have you had a chance to say I told you so? Or? I try not to, right, even okay. if I think it. I mean, there have been some benefits in terms of extra quota but the, the issue is that they mostly go to a select few. Um, right. So, like, for example... 30% of the gains uh, are to one particular fishery and those fishermen already were doing very well. So right. it's, you know, it's kind of the case of the rich getting richer. But the the guys who really probably mostly voted for Brexit, in terms of numbers, the majority of boats in the UK, 78%, are small boats under 10 metres uh, and they got basically nothing. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, what they what they didn't get was the ability to be able to trade as freely as they did with Europe before. So there's a lot of extra bureaucracy, 
extra costs. And most of what they catch is actually exported, mostly to Europe. Yeah. So for them, it's actually made life more difficult, tougher. And, and, and what, kind of, what kind of fisheries are these that we're talking about? Scallops? Yeah, cod? The, are there any cod left? The, there's not a huge <laughs> amount of cod left around uh, the UK. That's partly overfishing, but it is also partly climate change. So, that you know, the, the stocks further north, particularly around Norway and Iceland, are doing much better. The, the small boats are mostly fishing for shellfish, so crabs, lobsters, whelks, um, yes, yeah, scallops, that sort of thing. The uh, Those bigger boats, big pelagic boats, you know, can be a couple of hundred feet long, are, are fishing for mackerel and things like that. Um, yes, yeah, so it's quite diverse. But like many countries, well, Western countries, we only eat about five different types of seafood yeah, in yeah, the yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah. So most of it's exported. And so because it didn't work, and, and honestly, if I recall, you, the predictions you made, and you made these predictions in the House of Lords Select Committees, you made these predictions, you wrote them down, you, you know, they've come true mostly. Largely, yeah. um, so, so has there been, what's the euphemism they like to use, structural readjustment programs, you know, to help the fisheries through the the fact that it really did get a bit buggered up? Yeah, there's, there are a couple of positives. So one is that, yes, we do have a, a sort of opportunity to reshape the way fisheries are being managed. Mm-hmm. And so they're developing these things called fisheries management plans, which are a much more localised and specific uh, way of, of managing different species in particular areas. So that's positive. And there's also been uh, a, a seafood fund, £100 million pounds hmm. that's been put towards the industry and science behind it in, in different ways, um, and that's funding some good work. Well, well, that's where I want to segue to because right. I think you and some of your colleagues were the recipients of one of those funds. I think there's like an R&D fund about future seafood. Yeah, sea, can... Seafood Innovation Fund, right. this one, yeah. And, and this is where we get to disco scallops. Right. So, <laughs> so in, in the middle of last year, you guys caused a bit of uh, you know excitement in the UK. It all went viral with these disco scallops. And um, that we're, you know, we're catching up a little bit, but but also there's been another recent kind of spate of it, as I understand. Tell me, he's kind of one of these stories of accidental discovery and then research, yeah. and now it's ended up in recipes. How did it all start? No, it's a great story. So there's a company called Fishtech Marine in the UK. They mostly sort of make technology to make uh, fishing gear more sustainable. And they'd heard from the states that if you put lights inside crab pots, it increased the catches. Of crabs. Of crabs. Right. So they, they got uh, in touch with this this uh, local fisherman, John Ashworth. Down and they in Devon. Down in Devon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And put, give this a go. And, uh, you know, rang him up a few weeks later and said, how's it going? So, oh, mate, there's no more crabs. We probably didn't speak with an Australian accent. <laughs> uh, uh, or I'd try and do a yeah, yeah, Devon one. Um, but he said, yeah, but I'm, I'm catching scallops. And it's like... In crab crab pots. pots. In crab pots. Now, crab pots have tiny little openings. This is like (laughs) trying to to throw a ball, you know, into a basketball hoop from the other side of the MCG. Like, it's, you know, it's hit and miss. I've I've been fishing on crab and lots of boats hundreds of times and I've never caught a scallop. And (laughs) most fishermen will tell you the same. He was getting sometimes, you know, half a dozen scallops in each crab pot. So scallops are really tr- – they'd have to try to they get in. They'd really try. You know, yeah, they would, right. like, really wanted that light. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so so Rob Enover, who was the guy in charge of Fishtech Marine, he, he didn't believe it, to be honest. Right, right. So he went out with the fishermen and, sure enough, <laughs> there's a very sort of fruity video online of, of Rob getting quite excited. <laughs> um, anyway, so 
Yeah, so they got extra funding from uh, the Seaford Innovation Fund. And, you know, through a series of further experiments and things, we're able to demonstrate that, yes, the scallops are indeed uh, attracted to the lights. Um, since then, we've found it's, it's blue. I, I was just going to say, because they, they, they got coined disco scallops. Is it the flashing of the well, lights? Well, that's a bit disappointing. So, actually, <laughs> the further research revealed that they don't like flashing. They prefer a steady <laughs> okay. blue. But we had – they employed a very clever PR person. When, when the, we published a paper on this, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he said, oh, how about we call it – Disco scallops, or scallop discos, actually. Right, right. And, and, you know, there was a bit of sort of consternation. I said, oh, yeah, go for it. The press are going to love it. And sure enough, they did. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, as you say, it went a bit viral. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Those of us that are old enough to remember, remember the blue light discos. In, well, hey. in, you know, the, the police-run discos. So yeah. it's, this, there you go. So what I want to know, Bryce, is did they add a bit of music to that? A bit of techno, perhaps? Well, we haven't done that experiment, but oh, I think it's got to be, that. you know, maybe if we can get a little bit more funding. If well, anyone's we had, listening, we had some stuff last year about sound and uh, attracting and different oysters. Yeah, yeah, yeah oysters. Oysters, oysters, oysters settlement and growth. Yeah, 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 yeah. settlement and growth with sound. Well, right. Oh, you might be able to get it because yeah. because when I told Doctor Beach we were doing this segment about disco sculpts, he said, "Is this sculpts they grow at Ibiza?" Ibiza, <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics. Um, so, so the disco scallops they're attracted to blue light. Yeah. Now, there's been enough known in the UK now for there to be. Like they're on they're on menus now, right? Yeah, they're so, sold as disco scallops. Yeah, a, a bit more seriously. So obviously, yeah. um, as happens in many parts of the world, one of the main ways to catch scallops is dredging for them, and that yeah, can yeah, have yeah, yeah. some quite negative environmental impacts. Whereas if you're just putting a pot down, and since then we've adapted the yeah, pots to a, give a them bigger. much bigger openings yeah, yeah. and things like that. Um, it's a much lower impact way of of catching scallops. And yeah, um, just off Whitby, where near where I live, uh, you can buy a disco scallop on the menu at the local restaurant. And is there a premium? In a there pot? is indeed. So yeah, a disco scallop brings more yeah. to the fisherman and to the the person selling it than a normal scallop. Exactly. So you know, now the next step is to really sort wow. of ramp that up. But you can imagine the marketing possibilities. Oh, yes. Like you know, it's endless. <laughs> I mean, one of the things. I mean, scallop. Dredging, finished scallop stopped stopping, stopped in Port Phillip because of the dredging. Exactly. You know, it was wrecking the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can imagine if you put a thing down, stick a blue light in, and all of a sudden you've got scallops yeah. coming in. I mean, you've got to obviously then yeah. think, what does the light do? And so yeah. there's more work to be done, and, and, and there's going to be management and, needed. And you could probably do it anywhere. Yeah, I mean, anywhere with the scallops. And this is, again, this is ongoing research. Um, so we don't, we don't know if there's other stuff which is attractive, which you might not want to attract Using that light. Uh, eating the disco scallop. Well, so, you know, not that we've found so far, but, um, yeah, we'll, we shall see. Yeah. I don't know what you... And you're at the University of York. Yes, that's right. We neglected to mention that at the beginning. That's oh, okay. Whitby, Whitby reminded me. Whitby. Yeah, Whitby, that's where... Um, that's, up, yeah, up the north. Yeah, it's all the beautiful little uh, fishing town, very historic. I think James Cook uh, learnt to sail there and things oh, like that. So. there you go. I was just trying yeah. to forget out that dead white guy's name. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the, the, um, sorry. Hey, now the music's going to be on, so we're, we're almost into the show and we've got to thank a bunch of people. But the the final thing is the Disco Sculpt's got a, got a run in the House of Parliament a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, a couple of months ago. But, yeah, right. so there was a, you know, a, a parliamentary inquiry into yeah. the seafood fund making sure it was being spent well. <laughs> and the disco scholars got mentioned by the minister. <laughs> but the funniest thing was at the end of the um, of the session, the chair of the select committee said, 
Well, folks, I guess that's uh, we're going to wrap that up here because I've got a disco scallop to get to. A scallop disco. <laughs> Sensational. Hey, thank you very much, Dr. Bryce Stewart, our UK correspondent. The doctors are waiting and ready to go. Thank you, Dr. Beach. That's been my pleasure. Um, and thank you, listeners, for your wonderful input over over you know our, our, our segment. Yeah, thank, thanks for texting in. All your, all your summer highlights. It's fantastic. And Loved ne- it. Next week we've got Bron. I'm going to be joining Bron in the studio. Awesome. And I think we've got Rex. Rex, I think, maybe Rex. I think maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe Rex. This has been Radio Marinara. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.